Hello, friends, and welcome to another scintillating episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. It's me, Patrick Marsh, here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. A little bit out west is my pal, Justin Anderson. Justin, how are you doing tonight? Doing well, yeah. It's uh, cooling off out the prairie, so fall is upon us, and I definitely enjoyed the last show. It seems like the last warm day on Saturday when I was going to walk the bus, just trying to enjoy the outdoors before uh, the inevitable happens over here in Western Canada. Now, for you guys, when it when it gets cold, does it just it drop? like 20 degrees instantly or do you guys have like a slow effect so typically it's a slow effect but so the difference between saturday and sunday it was 29 on saturday and uh 14 with a crazy wind on sunday so that was a pretty big drop off in 24 hours but typically we'll get like um a kind of a warm september so hoping for a rebound but usually by like the middle of october we're in like highs of single digits at best oh my goodness uh, well, for, I don't know, for Nova Scotia, it seems like we have the benefit of having cool air come off the water in August and September, but it's still pretty darn hot. And then October is like the perfect temperature where it's cool enough that you can wear a hoodie when you go for a run. And then November, it's just full on, you know, one degree above zero, you know, a little bit of snow, definitely some frost in the mornings and it's just game over so i don't want to wish away the rest of the year but uh, i am looking forward to the beautiful october weather so as usual uh you can follow us on twitter at bfmd podcast we're on anchor itunes spotify google podcasts TuneIn, and stitcher still not on nexopia I still want to say Nextopia. It just doesn't make sense to me to say Nextopia. Anyway, as usual, you feel free to send us questions. Uh, probably best to do it through our Twitter. Only um, if they're good questions, though. Yeah, but only if they're good <laughs> questions. If your question is, why are you so dumb, Patrick? The answer is, I just am. I just am. <laughs> you can't help it sometimes. <laughs> exactly. But enough dilly-dallying. We're going to get right into it. Today was the trade deadline. For MLB and the Toronto Blue Jays were busy. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about the trades that happened just before uh, in the impact they've had on the team so far. We're also going to talk about where the team sits right now in the standings. And we're going to wrap it up uh, later on uh, with a little conversation about statistics and uh, how they've defined the first half of our season. Because don't forget, it's a 60-game season and we're already 33 games in. Which is wild because I remember a month. I know I, a month ago I was thinking to myself, man, we're like three games into the season. We're one and two. Uh, I'm really nervous. I don't know what to think about this team. And the first two or three weeks, I was just, I don't know. I was like more nervous than I am now. Now it's like I'm confident. How do you feel <laughs> about the season so far? Just um, we'll say in like one word. Hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good way to put it i mean i the thing is i would say like for me it's excited i'm definitely very excited about the team and uh, the direction that we're heading uh which actually uh my opinion was impacted by the trades that we made in the last week or so uh, we might as well start at the top here uh the first deal that uh, went through was uh, picking up dan vogelbach from seattle uh, for cash. We talked about this a little bit last week, um, and he's only seen five or six at-bats so far as a J. But Justin, how do you feel about Vogelbach so far, and where do you see him fitting into this team in the short term and in the long term, if uh, at all? Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> uh, we, we were messaging about this today, uh, this afternoon, while the game was happening, and I, I see Vogelbach as like a poor man's Rowdy Telez or a poor man's Travis Shaw. He can barely play first base because he is a massive, massive human being. Uh, he's a big boy. Um, yeah, like true three outcomes player, right? Either walks, strikes out, or hits homers. Uh, I, I have him a sheet here. Like a third of his hits last year were home runs, and he hit 30 homers. Um, 
I think he'll get at bats against right-handed pitching while he's on the roster. How long he's on the roster remains to be seen. Obviously, with the pickups that we'll talk about in a second here, there may not be any room for him. Um, so he may be DFA'd again soon. I don't know if they'll try to find a way to keep him. I don't know if it makes sense to because we've got a guy, we've got three guys who can play first base ahead of him on the depth chart. And yeah, to me, it doesn't make a ton of sense that he's even here. Yeah, totally. A question for you, though. If you look at our depth at the first base, we'll start at the top. We'll say that Vladdy is our, our top first baseman. Um, yeah. I guess because he is, but he still is taking reps at third base. So I feel like yeah, they're, they're holding on tightly like to that, that versatility. That's that's just a way to keep him active. I like I, I don't I don't see him ever playing first base except like in a late, later game situation where we've had to pinch run or pinch hit for say Joe Panic is playing third base. We pinch hit like a Rowdy Tellez for him, then Rowdy has to come in and play first base. At least Vladdy has the experience at third, so I think that's why they're keeping him fresh there. I don't think we'll see him start at third base anytime soon, uh, especially once we talk about the pickups that we've made here um, besides besides Vogelbach. So I I used to see Vogelbach as a stopgap player. He was brought in this week to maybe do something, and obviously he wasn't didn't really have many at bats, but I don't yeah. think he'll be here for the long haul. Uh, he did draw a walk today, which is uh, August thirty first. Uh, good for him. Um, <laughs> but uh, otherwise, no. He he's only struck out a couple of times, uh, and he's getting good cuts at the plate. But yeah, well, there's something yeah. <laughs> fundamentally. Uh, busted i think about his swing and what he's oh, trying to do how he is <laughs> his, his approach to the plate so i don't see us i could does he have options or is no he... well he was dfa'd by seattle and that's how we, we bought him for cash okay so he's he's either yeah. dfa'd or he's sticking on the roster so there's no there's he's got two options yeah well he sticks or he doesn't <laughs> you know you know from what i've seen he, when he's been interviewed he certainly is a positive voice oh yeah um, but he also seems to be very grounded uh he's aware of his situation and uh i mean it would suck to go from all-star to being dfa twice in the span of two weeks um, but it might happen and if it, it does, does happen, happen you know we will be all right and dan vogelbach will be all right but moving on uh, this is my favorite trade that we made uh, mm-hmm. in the last week. We acquired Taiwan Walker from Seattle for a player to be named later. Um, no idea who that might be, and we're not going to speculate on it today. We might get into it maybe a little bit later on in the year, depending on how the season goes. Um, but this is the big trade, Justin. Um I know that I've been very vocal about wanting Taiwan Walker on this team for a long time, uh, as yeah. far back as I think our early episodes in 2017. Uh, I might have mentioned it, and not to toot my own horn, but uh, I am thrilled to have him on this team. What did you think of his first start? And uh, give us a rundown on what you saw. It was awesome. I mean, obviously he he walked three, which is uncharacteristic. A uh, new team. Like he, he said after that he had some like first start on a new team jitters, which is fair. He wants to put on a good show. Um, but obviously he battled, right? Six innings pitched, no runs. Yeah. That's what we've been lacking from our starting pitching a lot this season. Um, and I think he's only going to get better. Uh, we, we've seen some, some of the Orioles batters, uh, particularly like Santander and Cisco, uh, kind of light us up in Mount Castle the other day. But uh, we've had some tough games against Baltimore this season and I think he looked really good in that first start it's everything we could have wanted out of a guy who we just traded for is to come in and throw six short innings like you can't ask any more of a guy yeah totally the thing that impressed me was that uh, even though he had conceded four hits and three walks uh, still no runs picks up the W and Mm -hmm. um, just frankly he looked very confident out on the mound um, yeah. He was upset uh, at himself when he was uh, when he gave up the walks or the hits, um, but he was able to battle back every time that he found himself in a bit of a hole. And mm-hmm. he reminds me a lot of a, a certain former pitcher that we had who was a fiery competitor. The difference is that uh, Taiwan Walker strikes me as the kind of quietly confident. Yeah. 
uh, pitcher, if that makes sense. Um, that being said, uh, he's had a great year so far. His ERA is 3.27, uh, three wins, two losses. Uh, he's only started six games, but, I mean, everybody is in the same boat as him. <laughs> Not a lot of innings, yada, yada. Uh, a whip of 1.09, I'm totally on board. Uh, yeah. I know that I've seen rumblings that Taiwan Walker is most likely to re-sign with Seattle. Um, but if the Jays happen to go deep or if they make it into the playoffs and uh, Walker likes what he sees because Toronto is on the upswing, and if we're being honest about the Mariners, I think they're uh, they're in a, <laughs> at least in a retooling period, if not a yeah. full-on rebuild. So he might be convinced to stay in Toronto. And, you know, like I said, I've always liked this guy – He's only 27, 28, if I recall correctly. And um, I just like what he brings to the table, and I think he would be a great part of the rotation. Yeah, no, I'm glad he's here. I think he's, he's there at the perfect time. Um, obviously, he is a free agent, like you said. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're ready. He's 28 as well. So, I mean, yeah. he's a guy that I think we'll push for to resign, whether or not we get him or not. At least, at least he's here now, and if he can help us maybe get through a first round in the playoffs, should it happen. Uh, I think that'd be well worth it for uh, what what people are saying is maybe a, a top thirty prospect in our in our pipeline. So we'll see. Yeah, I think I don't know. In my opinion, I think Jay should push hard to sign this yeah. guy. Why not? You know, three year, thirty million. Um, so ten sure. mil a year. That I think that's pretty reasonable, and it's probably a little bit above market value for Taiwan Walker. I I would yeah, totally do a, that. He's on a one year, two million dollar contract right now. So yeah, he's due he, for. He's coming coming off some injuries so if he can stay healthy the rest of the season he'll probably be up in like the seven eight nine million dollars a year age yeah i mean i wouldn't i'd be okay with overpaying for him a little bit if only to keep him away from we've got the payroll flexibility to be honest so exactly i would i'd be totally down to uh to drop the money on him and keep him away from you know uh division rivals at the very least yeah. but uh the other uh big pitching uh, deal that happened was actually today and uh, the Jays acquired pitcher Robbie Ray from the Arizona Diamondbacks in exchange for Travis Bergen who was with the team as recently as a week ago uh, he got the, yeah he got the call up and then he got the call he got the option back down um, to be fair to to Ray and, and maybe this isn't very kind of me to say but it's been a disaster of a season for him uh, he led the National League in walks with 31 in 31 innings of work. <laughs> so a BB per nine of nine Oof. is not good. Uh, he recently shortened his arm motion, and this was something that was discussed on the broadcast today for the Blue Jays by mm -hmm. uh, Dan and Buck. Um, he's only recently ditched that in favor of something that isn't scuttling his career. Okay. Um, I mean, it's only 31 innings of work. If you look at uh, Robbie Ray's body of work over the last several seasons, he's a, a guy that can go out there and net you 10 wins in a season. Um, how do you feel about Robbie Ray, uh, the return for him, and how concerned are you, maybe on a scale of 1 to 10, about his control issue right now? Yeah, I'm pretty concerned. I'd probably put it at like an 8, but looking back at his track record and I mean, you know, he's still striking out. I think it's like 14 per nine innings right now or something good. So like he's, he's striking out more than he's walking. So, I mean, as long as he can fix that and maybe, maybe Pete Walker saw something that he thinks he can fix, right? Maybe they, he he went to the management and said, you know what, you can get this guy for the cheap right now, get him for a guy who's pitched one game for us and Travis Bergen, like great, great, great trade. Like, I mean, you, you can't be mad at the, what we gave up for him. And if, if he can say, hey, you know what, I can fix this guy, give me give me three starts to fix him, and he'll be good as new, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. He's a power pitcher, lefty, add, nice to add that second left-hander to the rotation uh, to slot in somewhere between, hopefully, Anderson and Rourke. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, love, I love this pickup. Um, I'm just hoping that he can fix the walks, like you said. Yeah, totally. And I saw something on Twitter. I don't recall who it was or whether or not it was an official account, but uh, I, I'm under the impression that any pitching acquisitions that we made today 
uh, or at least in the last week, were ones that Pete Walker himself would have signed off on. And I know I've been critical of Pete Walker in the past uh, about certain components of uh, the Jays pitching. And to his credit, the walks are way down this year for the team at large. Mm-hmm. And if anybody is going to be able to help him, uh, credit where credit is due, it's going to be Pete Walker. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm okay with saying that I was totally wrong uh, about being <laughs> hypercritical uh, about it because obviously there was a plan in place. It worked for a bunch of other pitchers. Uh, if we just have patience for Robbie Ray, maybe he turns it around. And if he doesn't, uh, well, then he rides the pine and, and maybe does some relief work for us. He costs us almost nothing but a, you know, a roster spot. So we'll have to see. I don't think there's any chance of us re-signing him. And if there is, it's going to be to a show-me kind of deal where it's like two years. Um, maybe you throw three or yeah. four million. It's it's not it's not going to be a generous offer. If he continues to pitch this poorly, then he's not going to get money from anybody. And he may decide that, hey, maybe this team is where I want to stay. But... You make a good point. Like maybe we won't resign. We do have that crazy amount of depth at, at our rotation and our starting starting pitching. So we've got guys yeah. like Kay and Hatch, um, who are long term starters who are in our bullpen. I still think that both of them want to start. I don't see Anthony Kay giving up on starting pitching anytime soon. Thomas Hatch is a guy who we could maybe just be like like we do with Ryan Baraki and just basically tell him that his starting days are over, uh, and get used to the bullpen kid. But I, I, I see I see Robbie Ray. Yeah, you're right. He's making a ton of money this year, but he'll he'll definitely get a, a, a pay decrease if he keeps this up. I'm at, you know, I'm also very cool with all these young starters getting pushed into the pen because 100%. they're getting they're getting work. It's limited. It's it's exactly what they did with Aaron Sanchez, and that worked quite a bit. Uh, yeah. Moving on from Robbie Ray, though, uh, we actually picked up Jonathan Villar, shortstop from the Miami Marlins, in exchange for uh, legacy player. Griffin Conine. Uh, this year, Villar's average is a tick down from his career average. Uh, he's hitting 259 uh, with a 315 OBP um, as opposed to career averages of 261 and 328. I got to be honest with you, this trade is very underrated right now because it doesn't oh, yeah. fix something immediately. But this trade is going to pay off in huge dividends. As soon as uh, <laughs> Bo Bichette is back in the lineup, uh, how do you feel about Villar and how does he stack up against, um, you know, Bo and Joe Panic and Santiago Espinal and anybody else in that middle infield? Honestly, I, I, I think I think when you said that it doesn't fix anything now, I think it fixes a tremendous amount now. It gives us the option to not start one or both of Joe Panic and Santiago Espinal. Um, yeah, it may sure. result in Espinal getting optioned back to the minor leagues or to the alternate training sites or the taxi squad, whatever the hell you want to call it this year, uh, if they do decide that they're going to keep Joe Panic on this roster. I think this is going to be potentially the move that does see Dan Vogelbach's time as the Blue Jay end. If they do need to free up a spot for Jonathan VR on the uh, 60-man player pool, first of all, um, and then on the on the forty man, I think I think Vogelbach is probably the guy that gets cut the boot unless somebody goes on the IL. But his the fact that he can steal bases like he's he stole forty bases last year, Patrick. He's still nine already this season in in, in twenty nine games. So he's going to add more speed to our team. We've already got guys like Biggio who can steal bases uh, and Guriel to a point. Um, but having a guy who can play second, short, third base. We can throw him in the outfield if we need to. Um, and the fact that he does have, like you said, like a career 260 average in the big leagues, I think it's a, it's a huge pickup. Like you say, yeah, extremely underrated. And, and honestly, this is my favorite deal that we made at the trade deadline. Um, I think this is a need that we really had. It improves our bench depth tremendously when Bo Bichette does come back. And by the way, he... Um, Fielded some ground balls yesterday, and he was doing a strength and conditioning day today. So he's getting closer. He'll start taking in some some practice hacks here soon off the tee, most likely. But I think we'll see Bo back in the next two or three weeks, hopefully sooner. Uh, but yeah, I think this trade is massive for us in the short and long term. 
Yeah, I well, yeah, I guess I didn't think of it that way before. Um, Santiago Espinal is five for ten in uh, his last ten at bats, which is stretched out over. I think it's uh, at least three, maybe four games. Might be a pinch hit somewhere in there that I, I can't yeah. recall. Um, if you compare Panic and Espinal in the last five or six games, I definitely think Espinal uh, is, has been the better bat. Uh, and I don't think his defense is necessarily worse than Panic's, although he did have that throwing uh, or that issue throwing the ball yeah. uh, on one particular play over the last four games against the Orioles. But Panic's bat is just he's he's having a hard time. And I know like it's limited innings and stuff like that, but we can't we, there's not enough time. For him to figure out how to fix his swing, I think we Did just we have to. Did we expect a lot of Joe Panic offensively, though? I was hoping he would hit at least two twenty. I mean, he's hitting two thirty five in his last seven days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so... cre- again, credit to him. Espinal is hitting five hundred in his yeah. last yeah, in, in the last his last week. That's of why short term stats don't work well. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, ultimately, Panic's defense is better than Espinal's. And but, he outlasted Brandon Drury. <laughs> yeah, and and VR is, I I Who think had it, options, but yeah, uh, he's just so fast. Uh, at the very least, v, uh, VR is a late innings replacement guy uh, when Bo comes back. Although it's more likely that we're going to see some shift uh, around where some guys are going to see some reps at third, probably Espinal, and then yeah, uh, VR can play second, right? He can play all three infield positions outside of first, uh, yep. and he has had some time in the outfield before. Switch hitter as well. So, Man, once again, a super utility Super uh, flexible. I and love it. Yeah, and it gives us the option, if needed, to say there's a, a right-handed pitcher on the mound and we want to stack a bunch of guys who can hit left. It gives us the option to put Cavan out in right field, start VR at second, um, and keep his bat and his speed in the lineup. He, he's the kind of a guy that profiles as a good like eight nine hitter because if he like he does he's that guy who can lengthen the lineup because if he does get on base, he can steal a bag and at least put pressure on opposing pitchers when your big boys like Kevin and eventually Bo come back to uh, back to bat right so, I think uh, this pickup is super underrated it it strengthens our lineup tremendously because yeah now we don't have to start both Joe Panic and uh, Santiago Espinal at the same time. No, no discredit to, to Santiago Espinal. I think he's going to be a great player soon, but he's just still super young, so green. But I think this this pick just really gives us the flexibility to be a much better uh, offensive lineup. The, the one criticism that I saw, uh, I think it was on, either on ESPN or Sportsnet. I don't recall which one exactly, but um, there, were, there was talk about how this deal was good for the Marlins, too, in that they were able to trade a player who they didn't feel meshed with the team very well. Uh, a lot mm. of it, I think, had to do with the fact that when he's out on the base paths, he's a bit of a maverick. He kind of does his own, uh, he, he does his own thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, we've already had had more toot blands than I can think of this season. And, yeah, uh, leading the league. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably leading the league in toot blands, which oh, is, if you're new to the show it's uh thrown out uh thrown out on the base paths like a uh, nincompoop yeah it's a great Some, stat. or something it's like one that. of my favorite <laughs> stats of all time <laughs> yeah it's pretty great uh the last one that squeaked in there uh very late uh in the day the, the game was actually still going on if i'm not mistaken yeah it was <laughs> ross stripling uh is coming to toronto from the dodgers for two players to be named later I doubt those two players are going to be anything worth talking about. Um, to be kind to Ross Stripling, his stats are very barfy right now. He's not having a great season. Uh, Injury-free, though, low walks. He got absolutely hammered in the start the against players. the Mariners earlier in the year. Uh, he gave yeah. up six earned runs in three innings, and that probably did a lot to screw up his stats. Um, but he's still been consistently uh, hit hard after two, three, four innings. Seems like after everybody gets a fir- their first look at them, they're hitting them. This is mostly a depth trade, but do you have anything you want to say about Ross Stripling? Or... Yeah, let me uh, let me barf some stats up on you. Mm. Uh, his career home runs per nine, 1.31. This season, 3.21. 
So he's giving up home runs. Yeah. His BABIP this season, 263 versus a career 297. So the balls that are getting put in play, the majority of them are not going for base hits. It's just he's giving up those big ones. He's a Tanner Roark pitcher. <laughs> he's going to give up home runs by the looks of things this year anyway. But his strikeouts and his walks per nine, like walks are up, strikeouts are a bit down this season. Um, so I think his biggest problem is just the fact that when he's getting hit, he is getting hard or getting hit hard versus before in his career, he'd limited that, that hard contact and gotten closer to 50% of balls on the ground, whereas this year it's only a 33% ground ball rate. So somehow guys are are hitting his, the, the ball in the air against him more. So we'll see if maybe, again, maybe Pete Walker saw something, right? Maybe the team thinks that they saw something in the analytics that they can fix. There's so much data and so much video around the big leagues now that there could be some sort of computer program somewhere that said, hey, if you change his release angle by 0.0001 of a degree, he'll fix everything or something stupid, right? It's... So analytical now that I love it, but some people don't. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think mean, that there's there's probably something there that we can fix. It's very possible. Um, a majority of his career, he has been uh, an arm that came in in relief. Uh, he does have yeah. 59 career starts, uh, and he was a dedicated starter in uh, Los Angeles. And he does have a three and one record. But you know as why he's a dedicated starter? Because no Hunjin Ryu on the Dodgers this year. Yeah, exactly. The Dodgers needed to do something as far as uh, replacement. And uh, I would say that Ross Stripling has done his best to try to replace Hunjin Ryu, but obviously... That's pretty hard to do. Uh, hard to do. His career ERA is 3.68, which I know year to year it can fluctuate. Mm-hmm. Um, I see him as like a very solid relief arm. And I think, if anything, he'll be a guy that we will throw out there as an opener on bullpen days to get one to two innings out of to start off the game because it seems like every time he gets the uh, his second look or players get a second look at him, he's getting dinged up pretty bad in the yeah. second, third, and fourth innings of games. So I can he, see him being that like, hatch K role this year where he comes in and throws one or two innings, right? Well, uh, he just gives us so much more depth because now we don't have yeah. to sweat the fact that you know, oh man, we already used Hatch yesterday in an opener. And now we can't use him tonight, and he's one of our better uh, pitchers. And mm-hmm. uh, it's been a long time, if ever, this season that Hatch has blown a game for us. Yeah, and it's uh, nice that we have uh, a guy to shore up that bullpen with no Jordan Romano for a bit, and Ken Giles on his way back. And again, he costs us almost nothing, so yeah. <laughs> I'm good with that. Um, before we uh, step away from the trade, though, I thought maybe it'd be a good idea to just blast through a few of these uh, these uh, big trades that happened around the league. If you're cool with it, Justin. Sounds good. Uh, any immediate thoughts on uh, Mike Miner to the Athletics? Uh, I'm glad we didn't get him. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, like you said, it's a, I think we dodged a bullet on that one. Oof, um, yeah. Two players to be named later, so the return wasn't huge. But I don't think Mike Miner would have helped us as much as some people thought he would have this no. year. Um, I definitely like the pickups that we made for the return that we had to give a lot better than I like what the A's had to to give up. Another sigh of relief that we can kind of give off today is the Boston Red Sox traded first baseman Mitch Moreland yes. <laughs> uh, over to the San Diego Padres for uh, Jason Rosario and Hudson Potts. Uh, both of those guys i don't think we're on their 30 man uh and i'm not sure if they were even on the 60 man or not um but obviously mitch more they're giving mitch moreland a chance to win somewhere else san diego made a lot of deals today but this one in particular is great for jays fans because we still have (laughs) i think it's we still have either three or six games with the bosox still i think just three but i mean yeah something like that 412 against us this year so yeah, so I mean, I'm looking forward to Bye, Felicia. Uh, yeah, playing a weaker Boston Red Sox team. Cause, I mean, <laughs> those are wins we are definitely going to need when we get into the back third uh, of our schedule. Um, yeah. Speaking of the Padres, they did acquire Austin Nola, Jason Castro, which I think is going to be an underrated trade for them. Austin Adams, Dan Altavia, and Trevor Rosenthal, of all players, a lot of big deals coming out of the Padres. Uh, we're yeah. going to get to the big one they made, but out of all these other guys that I mentioned, who's the biggest impact for the Padres, do you think? And Trevor does it Rosenthal. 
Yeah, totally. I was going to say that too. Um, There's no no question about it. I mean, outside of Mitch Moreland, of course, Trevor Rosenthal has he's back. Like he looks like like St. Louis Cardinals Trevor Rosenthal again um, with the Royals this season. Like he has been holding down their eighth inning uh, all year and throwing gas again. He's healthy, which is good to see. I always liked him in, in St. Louis. Um, seemed like the kind of guy that you'd want to have at the back end of your pen. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad he's healthy again, and I'm glad that he's going, uh, to stay in the National League. <laughs> yeah, totally. And the thing is, like, if you look at the depth uh, of the Padres, we're not going to get into this too much, but uh, having Mitch Moreland and Jason Castro, a certain you know, two veteran bats, uh, mm-hmm. Jason Castro, uh, quality player as well. Um, I think for the Padres in particular. Uh, the big sign that they were all in this year was when they pushed in all their chips and they acquired pitcher Mike Clevenger from the Cleveland Indians, uh, as well as outfielder Greg Allen and a player to be named later in exchange for Canada's own Cal Quantrill, Josh Naylor, and then catcher Austin Hedges, shortstop Gabriel Arias, Joey Cantillo, and Owen Miller. That's three of uh, San Diego's top 11 prospects along with a very competent pitcher in cal quantrell the son of paul quantrell former toronto blue jay and of course for the week there you go and then of course josh naylor uh who i'm not sure if we've really seen peak josh naylor yet i don't no. know if the best no, is yet to come for him but this is a big deal um first impression who do you think won this trade before I say that, how often do you see two Canadians involved in the same trade? Not I don't often. know, but it made me, I was thrilled to see it. Although, yeah. obviously, I want Cal Quantrill in a Blue Jays uniform sooner than later. Well, yeah, it's going to give us an opportunity to see those guys more when the schedule resumes to some sort of normalcy next year because we'll play the Indians a few times and at least we'll be able to see them play, which is nice. We don't see them in, the, in San Diego too often. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and I mean, if I'm not mistaken, when Cal Quantrill did uh, face us, uh, he did get a pretty good reception. Yeah, he, he, he played. He pitched really well too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, but, he might have uh, got the win off of us. I think he sure did. But, but uh, I, I think, in the short term, the Padres are going to win this deal because yeah. this deal allows them to honestly beat the Dodgers this season if they play them in the playoffs. If there are two teams in the National League that I do not want to play in the playoffs, the first is the Padres. And the second is if they get in the Cincinnati Reds because they have a rotation that would feature Trevor Bauer, Sonny Gray, and Jose Iglesias, which is about as lethal as the rotation that the Washington Nationals Luis Castillo. Yeah. Around last year? Yeah, sorry. Is that the guy I was thinking of? Yes, Luis Castillo. Yeah, you were probably thinking of Luis Castillo, but and Castillo, he was a guy I really (laughs) wanted the Jays to pursue uh, by any means necessary. and. That's obviously not going to happen anymore because he's turned into a star. Star. But, uh, but Mike Clevenger yeah. was somebody the Jays were definitely kicking the tires on. Mm-hmm. However, um, given this return, are you glad that we didn't invest I'm this glad much? we passed. Yeah. We it's would have probably had to give up Simeon Woods Richardson is what I'm thinking would have been asked <sighs> for. Yeah, and, 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 and the Jays are incredibly high on him. He was obviously yeah. the centerpiece of the Marcus Stroman trade even though Anthony Kay has proven to be a very good acquisition in that trade as well, too. Where are all the uh, the Shapiro and Atkins haters now, I, I wonder? Like, where are they at? They must be punching the air right now because these guys have made some really good trades the last couple seasons. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, absolutely. And haven't given up the farm, right? They've done it all without selling the farm, which is incredible. If, if Griffin Conine, I mean, obviously we don't know the couple, a couple of players to be named later yet, but assuming the ones for... Uh, the one for uh, Stripling is not a lot, and I'm thinking it'll be a top 30 prospect, maybe somewhere in the 20 to 30 range for um, Taiwan Walker. They haven't sold any of our prize possessions that we are all so attached to at this point, but they've done a really good job of uploading the team to compete a little bit more while also not sacrificing the future, which is something you have to respect. Yeah, I'm thinking that... Uh... Kevin Smith's probably going to be one of the pieces somewhere. And that's fine with me. 
Yeah, I mean, we have so much depth uh, at middle infield that yeah. it's, it's all right. And it'll give him an opportunity to, to play somewhere else I where he might see, have a uh, better Aferaldo chance. I Aferaldo going the other way, too, in one of those deals, another one of our middle infield prospects. Yeah, but got, obviously guys like Eric Pardino, Hector Perez, they're, yeah, they're any, probably any staying those put. Guys, any of those guys, I think, can be moved. But, yeah, it's, it's tough to say. But, yeah, I think they did well. But, I mean, teams that didn't do a lot – the Yankees and Dodgers, the Yankees and Dodgers both needed rotation help. The yeah. Dodgers traded us one of their pitchers. The yeah. Yankees didn't acquire anything, as far as I know. Nothing I, big. I don't think the Dodgers are worse, though, because they traded Stripling. I think they're no. just as good. Yeah. It's not a negative impact at all. It's like, who do they have to fill in for them? We'll see. We'll see. They always seem to pull somebody off their farm system. They're a very good drafting and international signing team because of their history, so... Yeah, decades of solid scouting and prospect yeah, building and incredible. stuff like that. I yeah. still think uh, the Jays are, are a top five prospect pool, no matter what gets dealt. Um, yeah. Those players to be named later, like you said, is probably somebody in between 20 and 30, if that. And it, it's probably not a 60-man player anyway. So. It, well, it wouldn't be if they if they were named later. It can't be off the 60-man pool. So. Yeah, we're not losing any of our untouchables. Uh, Lance no. Lynn didn't move either. There was a lot of talk that Lance Lynn... Uh, was being shopped around. He ended up staying put, which I was surprised at. Yeah. Um, I was hoping that James might have been poking at uh, Dylan Bundy, uh, but that didn't happen. Uh, the Pirates didn't really uh, trade much of their starting pitching either. I was hoping that we might, you know, hear whispers of some of their guys because obviously Jameson uh, Tayan is a guy that uh, he's probably their their best pitcher by a considerable amount and i was thinking if they're gonna blow it up maybe but in the end i think the jays are gonna wind up being big winners um, mm -hmm. for the trade deadline and um i think that's all there is to say uh about deadline day yeah record all right well let's get into the last few games that the blue jays have played uh obviously since we last spoke we have played some games against baltimore um, we've won three, won three out of four games against Baltimore, including one game in extra innings and another walk-off, two walk-off games. There's that one extra innings. Randall Gertrick hit that home run, uh, on our last strike. Teoscar also hit a single that scored two runs on our last strike yesterday on Sunday, the 30th. And then today losing in extra innings in 11 innings, four to three. Um, the only relatively easy game was this, the game that Tywin Walker started. That's when we won 5 nothing. Uh, other than that, they've been literally down to the last at-bat. Um, today's game, even to the last play, where um, Guriel was thrown at the plate trying to score an already to last double to right field. I love that they sent him. The, he would have scored if not for whoever the fuck was playing second base for Baltimore, making a <laughs> crazy relay play. I got shades of like the Derek Jeter flip, the way he kind of like ran into the frame, yeah. grabbed the ball, and then turned and spun and threw a strike to the catcher. Like Without him charging that ball, the first baseman was standing there waiting for it. Guerrero would have scored standing up, other words, or otherwise. But three to four against Baltimore... We arguably could have lost three out of four against Baltimore, so I'm happy with the takeaway. Um, yeah, that's that's all I gotta say. What are your thoughts on the four games against the Orioles? I I'm really sour that we didn't get the sweep. I <laughs> felt like the team played great. Um, I don't want to blame any particular player today. It was a team loss, and I certainly don't want to blame Charlie Montoyo because I'm sick to death of reading all that garbage on Twitter. Uh, I understand Charlie Montoyo has made some mistakes <laughs> in the dugout, um, whether it was pulling guys too early or putting guys in who definitely were way over their head, whatever it may be. Um, but that's not the reason we lost the game today. The reason why we lost the game today was we just weren't getting enough hitting yeah. uh, in a timely manner. We're lucky that it was even 4-3. to three. Uh, The game really could have been over long before we got to the 11th inning. We're fortunate in that Baltimore kept giving us second chances. Um, but Can we give some credit to Chase Anderson, too? Absolutely. He looked great today. Five innings, eight strikeouts, didn't Oof. walk anybody. Like, he was, best he was, start, best he was, that we've seen from him. He was dealing, but in my mind, like he had six strikeouts after two innings, and I'm wondering, like, did he take his foot off the gas? Was he, or did he want to push? Or 
was more um, a matter of like I'm in control, which means I get to dictate the pace of this game now. Honestly, I think I think this I think the latter. Yeah, I think by the fact that he had literally just taken a shit in the top six in Baltimore's lineup and yeah. struck them all out, I think that played to him signify that hey, I've got my stuff today. I don't have to overpower these guys. I can just get them to ground out, fly out, do whatever I need to. I don't have to strike everybody out. And he was probably also thinking, gee. If I keep striking everybody out, I'm not going to go more than five innings. Um, and I think he was at like, what, 82 pitches after five? And I know you were on Twitter today. I love the tweet, by the way, where you're talking about, like, oh, Blue Jays' Twitter, if, if Montoya lets Anderson go out, oh, why did he do that? Blue Jays' Twitter, if he takes him out, oh, why did he do that? <laughs> so, yeah, you're totally right about the whole Montoya, Montoya bashing thing. And I love that... Uh, that you've kind of come full circle as a guy who was super critical of Charlie Montoya like two weeks ago. <laughs> well, how I mean, the turntables. Yeah, I well, I mean, <laughs> you you get frustrated in the moment. Yeah, I I can understand it. Um, I kind of want to talk about our hitting. Yeah, we seem sure. to have we seem to have a problem in our lineup, and that all of our guys up front are. They seem to be hitting well, uh, if not unsustainably well. Mm -hmm. uh, in the last seven days, uh, obviously our big boys have come to play. Vladdy's hitting almost 400. Grichik uh, just a shade under 400. Uh, Tiosca Hernandez hitting 350. Kavan Vigio hitting 280. This is all fine and dandy, right? But you know, if you look at the back half of the lineup, the Panics, the Jansons, the Shaws. Uh, Sad to say, the Guriels, um, yeah. even though they've been extremely tiny or timely hits, um, you know Derek Fisher, Zilch, today. Yeah, Jury Zilch, Vogelbach Zilch, Reese McGuire Zilch. Um, is there a problem with this lineup? This is where Jonathan VR comes in, my friend, because yeah. now we don't have to start uh, one of Panic Shaw or. Um, Santiago Espinal, who to his credit is hitting five is five for ten in the last uh, four games he's played, but I think you're totally right. Yeah, it's it's the fact that we've got five guys who are playing really well, um, and then four or five guys who aren't, and it's tough to win games when you're relying on five guys for all of your offense. Those guys at the bottom, and again, credit to Santiago Espinal, they need to get on base, and you mentioned this. That he's gotten on base what seven times and scored out of scored five of them, so when he's getting on base, the the guys behind him are knocking him in because the the lineup is turning over. So the fact that we now have this guy in VR, who who can come in and play um, anywhere on the infield except for first base that we've already talked about, it's going to fix a lot of these problems. Yeah, I'm just I'm just <laughs> there's a sigh. I'm just I'm just very frustrated with with the back half of the lineup, and I know like the thing is there like, aren't look, many teams out there though, Patrick, who have as solid of a lineup as a team like Tampa Bay, for example, where it seems like anybody can hit. Yes. there aren't a lot of teams that are like that. Here's the thing, though: as frustrated as I am with uh, with Guriel, and he's absolutely deserving of criticism uh, for hitting 118 in his last 17 at bats. We needed him to step up this past week and he just wasn't doing it he's still yeah. uh hitting 257 for the season he's still got the power he's still got the ribbies um can we talk OPS... about how he walked four times and only struck out four times as well that's well big for him. it is uh he's he's obviously turning into a power hitter the thing is like on the positive side he, he's improving as a player i still think he he's a 280 hitter on the regular um mm -hmm. but he just went ice cold the last week and he, he was floating around the top of the lineup and I don't think we can justify having him there anymore. Yeah. Um, as for do what uh, we did with Vladdy and push him down until he performs better and then bring him back up. Yeah. And I mean, as for the rest of the crew, I mean, Travis Shaw, I, I understand why we acquired Vogelbach now because Shaw has been struggling so much at the plate. Yeah. He is getting the walks, which is great. A lot of our team are actually drawing walks. Uh, even the guys that I was criticizing, Panic, Jansen, uh, Shaw, Guriel, they're drawing walks. The problem is that nobody in that 
back end of the lineup is generating offense. Uh, they're not driving them in. We're hoping that they get on base so when it's Kavon Biggio's turn <laughs> to, to hit, he can drive them home. And yeah. uh, Biggio actually only had four RBIs in this last uh, six games, He's which is still been good. struggling a little bit more. He cooled off a touch from what he was doing last time we recorded anyway. Yeah. Uh, what, what I also think is like an issue is that all of our guys got hot at the same time. All of our top guys and all of our That's bottom great. guys got cold at the same time. And yeah. it's like, yeah, it's great because we were, it was get, generating wins, but, you know, kind of like how it's not sustainable for Santiago Espinal to be batting 500. <laughs> uh, for the rest of the season, our guys can't keep this pace up, and eventually we are going to have to rely on a full lineup to, to be doing stuff. So, um Let's talk about the uh, the Toronto Blue Jays pitching in yeah. particular. Uh, in the last seven days, what for you has been the big uh, the big takeaway? Or who do you think has been the power performer? Sure. Well, these the stats that we're, that we're looking at right now, they don't include Chase Anderson's start from today. But I'm really impressed in what he's done this last these last two starts. Uh, five innings in both of them. Three runs in total. He had three runs in his, in his other start. Um, that's a good week for a guy that we that we acquired to be a fifth starter. Um, flip side, Tanner Roark, two starts again, just like Anderson, ten innings, but four home runs allowed, five walks given up. Not great numbers there. Um, also not in here. Anthony Bass has had a rough week. Uh, obviously, he he well, we can call it blowing the game today. It's tough when you have that runner starting on second base in the extra inning. But, I mean, he's supposed to be our closer right now. Um, and he's given up eight hits over his last eight innings and, and blown a couple of games for us. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. He obviously got the win against Baltimore yesterday because we walked it off. But, he, of course, he did blow that game too. So he's been a little shaky. Um, along with Anderson, guys who have been good. Our boy Thomas Hatch. Sean Reed Foley has three scoreless innings with only one hit allowed. Uh, Rafael Dolis has, again, three scoreless innings, no runs allowed. Um, and AJ Cole. AJ Cole's been one of my favorite relief pitchers all season. I like when he comes in. He seems pretty calm out there. Yeah. I've been impressed with the bullpen since we lost Romano, and I think the starters are coming around. Like we saw Ryu really just have one inning where he threw a lot of pitches. And that other start, but again, a solid, a solid, solid outing, and even, um, even again, Anderson today looked really well. I really good with that along with Walker yesterday. So I think the Jays are shaping up, and if we can get Ken Giles back, who is supposed to throw some live BP potentially tomorrow, uh, and Friday, uh, he should be back on the weekend. That's going to help us tremendously. I think. The thing I'm really excited about when it comes to our pitching is that we have so much depth now that yeah. we are going to be able to take advantage of having so many mm -hmm. uh, young relievers who are having great seasons. Uh, I'm a little disappointed uh, in looking at the numbers. Anthony Kay hasn't pitched very much in recent days. I think he's only, according to the numbers that I'm looking at anyway, in the last seven days, he's only appeared once. Ryan Barucki only appeared once. Yeah, uh, Barucki pitched today, though. Not well, but he pitched today. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they've been really trying to use K in those longer relief situations. That game where he pitched one inning, I think he came in like the eighth inning just because they needed a, a lefty to get three outs against, I think, two or three lefty batters. Um, but I think they've really been trying to use him in the, in the hatch role where he's going to go more than an inning. And with our starters getting to the point where they've been, he hasn't really been needed so much lately. He pitched a lot earlier when we saw like Shoemaker get hurt and Thornton get hurt in those games. Those are kind of his specialty outings. But I think we'll see him more um, against Boston and Miami this week coming up. Uh, but yeah, I, I hope we see less of Wilmer Font. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I... I don't know. I was upset at Anthony Bass today, but I guess 
The thing is, it could be anybody any of these days. That, yeah, that... I mean, they pitched him yesterday in the in the tenth inning, and pitched him again today in the tenth and the eleventh inning. So I mean, he's he's pitching in high high leverage, yeah. um, situations. Uh, how do you feel about uh, Julian Merriweather? This was a guy that we talked about like a little bit when we acquired him in the Josh Donaldson deal. He's supposed to start tomorrow. I, yeah, I think it's a bullpen as, day. <laughs> yeah, as like an as the opener. Do you think there's something there with Julian Merriweather? Do you think he, we're gonna get what we actually need out of him? Or yes, I think so. I can't remember who was saying it. I can't think they may have been, t- may have been talking to Caleb Joseph, but when Julian Merriweather was throwing in down in Dunedin in spring, spring training, not in summer camp, um, I think it was Caleb Joseph who said that he thought that Merriweather had top of the rotation stuff. And Caleb Joseph has been around. He's been a catcher for a long time. He's caught a lot of, a lot of pitchers. And for a guy like that to say something like that about a young kid, that's pretty, pretty cool. Um, we wanted him to be. He was. He was a flyer, right? We obviously, got him for a beleaguered shell of a Josh Johnson at the time we traded for him. Um, we gave him a broken guy and got a broken guy in return. He's he's almost thirty, right? But he hasn't. He has no life, like no distance on that arm, no mileage. So I I, I like Merriweather's future as hopefully a like a three starter would be perfect. That's like the top for me is what I would love to see. Lower expectations, a fifth starter. I think he's going to be our starting starting pitcher long term, whether or not with us or if we can trade him for somebody else, we'll find out. Yeah, so I guess the last thing to talk about today is uh, there are a number of statistics that that uh, Professor Anderson believes have defined <laughs> the first half of our season. So Justin, to wrap us up here today, uh, why don't you tell us about those stats? Sure. Well, I'm going to list them off. I'm going to see if if you. I know you're looking at the sheet, but can you tell me? I'm going to see if you can tell them why they're tell me why they're so important. So first of all, 14, which is the number of games that the Blue Jays have had Bo Bichette in the lineup for. That is now less than half of their games, as we've now played what is it, 33 games. Um, so that's that's huge, right? Not having your maybe best hitter in the lineup for more than half of your games and still being three games worth 500 in a playoff spot. Massive. Another number, 164, which is Teoscar Hernandez's WRC+. plus. Now, remember, league average is 100, so he's worth more than one and a half average league hitters right now, which is awesome. A crazy stat here that is totally sustainable and will never come down again, 98%. Jordan Romano's left on base percentage. So if you get on base against Jordan Romano, you are not scoring. <laughs> totally <laughs> sustainable. Totally sustainable. Yep. Uh, a number that is sustainable. 390, Kevon Biggio's on base percentage. I uh, remember a guy named uh, Jose Bautista who used to have about a 410 on base percentage. Very similar hitter uh, who would hit for power, um, but also take his walks. So 390, Kevin's OBP. I believe that is after today or maybe before today, which I think he only got on base once on a fielder's choice. And a bad number to finish it off. 133. This is the combined batting average of Danny Jansen and Reese McGuire. That's an oof. Your catchers are hitting 133 combined, and that's with Danny hitting 214 in his last seven days. That's bumped that average up from about 110. So, yeah, that's an oof But overall... Um, some really positive numbers in there. I tried to be positive. I know we've been trying to do that lately. I, I, there are some other numbers I wanted to put in here, but they were pretty bad, so I left them out. But I think those are really five big numbers that have defined the first half, being with El Bobachette, Teoscar Hernandez really finding himself at the plate, Jordan Romano being a revelation in the bullpen, Kevin Biggio showing us what he's capable of, and Denny Jansen and Reese McGuire not living up to any offensive expectations. All right, so now I'm going to play uh, Mary Contrary here, <laughs> and I'm actually going to uh, say a couple things uh, in contrary to some of the stats that you brought up, only sure. because I like to be difficult. <laughs> well, that doesn't sound like you at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, I will say 14, the number of games that uh, the Blue Jays had Bobichette in the lineup for. You want to know what their record is during those 14 games? They have... Five wins and nine losses with Bo Bichette in the lineup. Nothing to do with Bo. 
I just yeah. thought it was very interesting that ever since he had the injury, the team has really stepped up their performance. They started pitchers to figure out how to throw baseballs again. Yeah, all of a sudden, Boba shuts out of the lineup, and it's almost like the pressure was on. Everybody had to overperform. Uh, I found that really interesting when I looked that up. It doesn't, again, has nothing to do with Boba Shet as yeah. a player. Uh, if, yeah, anything, <laughs> if anything, uh, the five wins that we have are probably because of Boba Shet, uh, not in spite of. Yeah, for um, the record, Boba Shet is not a good ball player, according to Patrick Marsh. <laughs> no, not a, no, that's definitely not what I'm getting at I here. Know, but I'm I just, just thought it was, it was interesting. To, that. It was, <laughs> I just thought it was interesting when I looked at the... Uh, 100% agree with you. It was just, it was just wild to me. Like if you look at it, that's 14 games without Bowen. What, what does that mean? Uh, 19 games with him. Yeah, I know without him. Be 14 games with 14 without or 19 without. 19 without him. Uh, yeah. Out of those 19 games, we would have 13 wins. Mm-hmm. So we'd be 13 and six without Bobuchet in our lineup. Yeah. Which again, this Nothing is such a Bo. this is this is the weirdest <laughs> season I have to say. Uh, when it comes to Kevon Biggio's uh, OBP, uh, let's talk about his K rate. <laughs> uh, just give me one second here while I pull it up uh, as I'm talking. So, uh, Kevon Biggio so far this season has 29 strikeouts uh, in his 147 plate appearances. It's actually a pretty low strikeout How many rate. Walks? Uh, the man walks. He's got 21 walks <laughs> as opposed to 29 strikeouts, which is why his OBP is so high. His yep. batting average, there was a time where it was dancing around 200, and I was really frustrated with him. Um, but if if we take a very close look uh, at how uh, Kevon Biggio has performed since his average permanently dipped above the Mendoza line, so that would be August 14th to present day. His batting average is 344, his OBP is 481, his slugging is 541, with an OPS of 1.022. Uh, he's only struck. Totally yeah, he's only struck out 14 times in 17 games. He's walked 13 times in those same games. He only has two home runs, but he's got 11 RBIs. The guy's just uh, getting on base like a machine. Whatever it was in the start of the season, uh, he was really just struggling to figure it out. Um, so but I just the team though. That's why we were five and nine. Exactly. If you look at the uh, all the way up to August 13th. Uh, in this or game number 13 sorry uh, in this season but actually we can kind of stretch it out a little bit more Uh, so in the first 15 games of the season he was batting 197 with an OBP of 290 not what we expected from him Uh, he had 15 (laughs) strikeouts as opposed to his uh, eight walks in the same time period 12 hits and 69 at bats at that time I was like come on why are you leading off? You should not be leading off. Yeah. Uh, he shut me up very quickly. Uh, another thing that's worth noting is that since August uh, the 14th, he has started in the outfield a grand total, or he has played in the outfield a grand total of five times. Right. So Kavan obviously showing his versatility. Arguably, I think he's our MVP so far this year. I don't mean, um, think there's just, an argument. Well, I mean, if Bo Bichette had played the whole way wow. through, who knows? That's a ifs and buts for Kenny and Chaos theory. And as for the combined batting average of Danny Jansen and Reese McGuire, I'd be very curious to take a deep dive into their OBPs. I know they're not great, um, but they are still drawing walks. At Danny least Jansen's Danny is Danny actually is. pretty good. Yeah. yeah, Reese McGuire is the one who's really having a hard time at the plate. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the yips. I don't know if it's because of what happened in February. <laughs> I don't Whatever it is, uh, he's been having a hard time. I would have been okay if we had picked up a veteran catcher today uh, just to take the pressure off of Reese McGuire. After all, sure. we have like a 30-man roster. We have yeah. space, and eventually our injured pitchers will come back. <laughs> but, um, you know, we stood pat when it came to the catchers. There's obviously a lot of faith in Dan- Andy Jansen uh, at the very least. But, man, Reese McGuire, I'm very concerned. <laughs> Are you concerned? Um, I think I was the guy last year who told you guys not to think too highly of Reese McGuire because he had never done anything worth being thought highly of in the minor leagues except be a good defender. So I'm just going to not say anything because I think I was right. <laughs> Fair enough. That's kind of a theme at Bat Flips and Maple Dips. Justin is right. Patrick is wrong. Except for no, when he's right about players like Taiwan Walker and Kevon Biggio. Well, to be fair, I wasn't 
ever critical of Kevin Biggio either, and I didn't really have anything to say about Tywin Walker. So yeah. no, I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, credit to you for for wanting Taiwan for so long. I I was never against getting him. I think what we paid for <laughs> is an incredibly fair price. Uh, well, what we will pay, I guess we don't know yet. But just to highlight, like, Denny Jansen's OBP is three hundred seven this year. Yeah, I mean, um, that's solid. But, Imagine I mean, if he was hitting 200, what it would be. It would yeah. be so well, much higher. Well, he hit 207 last year, and his OB on base was only 280. So he's he's walk, he's already walked half as many times this year in a fifth of the at-bats that he had last year. He's so. got that plate vision. And one unique thing that the Jays have been doing that uh, hasn't really been publicized a lot is that Pete Walker has been talking to the hitters, yep. uh, even though he is the pitching coach. Um, but Pete Walker has been talking a lot uh, to – some of the hitters that have been struggling, trying to give them the pitcher insight. Although for Danny Jansen or Reese McGuire, it's one they thing, but it's another thing to, to, to have him talk to guys like Santiago Espinal, Lourdes Gurriel, Kavan Biggio, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who are supposed to be hitting well. But when they've gone through their tough times, Pete Walker was there to give them the pitcher's insight. And I think it's made a huge difference as far as this team goes. I think Dante Bichette has made a huge influence too. Yeah, um, I mean... There's been a lot of articles about him and Guillermo Martinez and how well they've worked together. Um, even with uh, Dan Vogelbach, who we've been talking about on the broadcasts, but um, Vogelbach grew up in Florida playing uh, like summer ball with Dante Bichette Jr., so Bo's older brother. So he knows the Bichettes and also knows Guillermo Martinez from his time. And Guillermo was like his double-A hitting coach. Um, and they both texted Vogelbach within like five minutes of the trade being announced. So that's pretty cool that those guys have kind of some, some things in common. And there's been a lot of articles written about um, how Martinez and Bichette have really gelled as like a cohesive hitting coaching unit. So I think that's that's huge for the Jays to not only have a guy who hit basically career 300 in his career in Bichette versus a, a young guy who's very analytically sound in Martinez who has come up through the Blue Jays minor league system. So obviously knows something because there's been a lot of good hitters that have come up recently that he's worked with. So I, I think we're in a pretty good position coaching wise, something that I haven't felt in the last few years anyway. Yeah. I, uh, I, I have nothing but good things to say about Dante Bichette. He's obviously, he is a, at the very least a guest instructor right now, but I believe he is on the payroll. He's, a, he's an official staff. Yeah. He's an he's, advisor. But um, I hope there's a limit body how to get big, strong, <laughs> there is a limit though on the number of guys that they or number of coaches they can have in the dugout yeah so, so that's why there was a long stretch uh, of time where he wasn't in the dugout and it was mm -hmm. actually noted by buck martinez in one of the broadcasts in the last week that uh dante was back in the dugout and it, it was because they're only allowed a certain number and obviously they have to have the main guys in there yep. so when an opportunity arises for dante to be in there he's there uh, I think some of it probably has to do with him helping his son with rehab since he is, you know, a regular instructor uh, with the yeah. team. Uh, and you can have you can have so many of these guys on, but kudos to Dante Bichette. Do you have any last words for us today, Justin, as far as uh, the team goes? Uh, let's go fishing in Miami. I am super pumped. We've got a two-game uh, trip to Miami. Welcome to Miami, Big Willie style. Oh, and then Big after Willie that, style. <laughs> and then after that, we've got at least three with Boston. Um, I know that there was a rescheduling of the game that was postponed on the 27th. Both teams yeah. opted to sit because of Black Lives Matter uh, and uh, MLB and the NBA and to a much lesser extent, the NHL making some moves uh, to do the right thing, sit out and, you know, uh, yeah, open up that opportunity. I think we'll have a double header against Boston, though. Yeah, I'm trying right now to desperately find the uh, the information here because <laughs> I know it was rescheduled. I believe the the, the double header is Friday, September fourth. Game starts at five o'clock. Uh, game one, game two starts at uh, eight o'clock. I guess those are local times, so it doesn't mean anything. We'll yeah. say four Eastern and. <laughs> Uh, whenever the first one finishes. Yeah, uh, yeah, half an hour after whenever the first one finishes. <laughs> yeah. uh, they're both going to be seven innings because this year they're doing the truncated So five uh, games against games. Boston. So we've got those right. games. Yeah. Well, there's the game on Thursday, two games on Friday, 
we've got a game on Saturday and then and a game on Sunday. Sunday. So it's a five-game And the Jays stand. will be the home team for the second game of the doubleheader on Friday. I mean, I don't think it matters, but no, this is this but. is it, folks. We've got seven games left until we play the Yankees uh, on Monday, September seventh, and that's Labor Day, uh, if I remember uh, my holidays. Yep. Uh, Labor yeah. Day here in North America, so it's going to be an interesting uh, two weeks for the Jays, and I really hope they go into uh, the games against the Yankees. Out of these seven games, I think we should be able to win at least five. We need to get some breathing room, man. We yep. desperately need it. Sure do. It's make or break this week. All right. Well, um, as usual, follow us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. You can find us on all those major uh, podcasty networks. <laughs> so uh, iTunes, Anchor, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast. Uh, still not on Nexopia. We're trying, guys. We're trying. It's a real pain I'm not in sure the arse. Which one of us is trying? But yeah, I mean, me. somebody is. But uh, for Justin Anderson out in Saskatoon, my home away from home, <laughs> uh, this is Patrick Marsh here in Halifax, Bat Flips and Maple Dips signing off. Peace! Sketches up with me.